0: and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favourite podcast app.
1: Future you will thank you. new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc i'm
0: martin I'm tyler martin and, you're and you're listening to harry Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of, of course, the 90-min football family. It's been a couple of days, but we are back. Needed a bit of a rest, needed a bit of a break. There wasn't too much to update you guys on as well uh, with regards to some of these deals. You know, the Declan Rice thing we think is still being uh, sort of thrashed out between the two sides. Nothing really concrete on Uri Timber just yet. So I figured that given I was absolutely shattered, it was worth uh, just taking a couple of uh, days break so that I could come back nice and refreshed and uh, bringing you uh, hopefully a higher level of content than I probably would have managed over the last few days. I had um, a work night out on Thursday, which was really cool, Um, really good night out. But I got back really, really late, which at my age kills you uh, the next day. And then uh, on Saturday, which was yesterday, uh, I was in at talk Sport on the early breakfast uh, show with Tony Cascarino and uh, Natalie Sawyer, which meant I had to leave my house at 4.45 in the morning. I have to say, when I came home, I was absolutely shattered. Um, I was sitting there all day thinking, well, if something significant breaks, then um, I'll definitely jump on and do a podcast. But nothing really did. And so I figured, you know what, I'm going to take a bit of a break. I'm going to put my feet up, going to chill. and. um And we're back, of course, uh, tomorrow, Uh, tomorrow, today, what am I talking about? See, I've lost the plot a couple of days away and I've lost my absolute mind. Um, There's so, so many of you in the live chat and we've only been running for like just over a minute, which is incredible. So big thank you uh, to everybody uh, who is with us on this Sunday morning. I mean, I, I can't, for the life of me, understand why anybody would want to spend this Sunday morning uh, in a chat box listening and talking to me. But um, I am really, really grateful uh, that you guys are here. So, big hello to Mohammed, uh, who says, uh, Hi, Harry. I uh, want to say Eid Mubarak to all my Muslim brothers all over the world. Uh, yesterday, we finished Eid al Ada. Uh, happy Eid, he says. Best wishes. So, a uh, big uh, happy Eid to everybody that celebrates. Um, and I hope you guys uh, have had a good one and, and will have a good one in whatever you go on to do. Uh, we've got Dean joining us from New Zealand. Uh, we've got Lloyd, Matthew, Thomas, Terry, Afshin, Owen. Uh, we've got Olumayowa. We've got Jimmy, Damien, uh, Christoph, Afro We've got so, so many of you in the live chat box. I'm not going to go through all the names, otherwise we'd just sit here uh, forever. But um, great to see so, so many of you in the live chat box um lots of you talking about elon musk and twitter you know what we'll get on to that uh because we've got a section that we're going to do a little bit later on where we're going to take twitter questions because i put out a post yesterday and those of you who hadn't um those of you who uh hadn't uh of course uh, exceeded your limit would have seen the tweet that i put out asking for questions and um and many of you responded, uh, which is great. But look, before we go further, before we dive into the stories that I want to talk about, uh, if I could just remind you, if you haven't done so already, please do uh, leave a like on the video. It really, really, really does help. And subscribe to the channel if your brand spanking you as well. As we continue on our charge towards thirty thousand, we are less than two thousand away now. I think we're on about twenty-eight two. I want to say twenty-eight three, something like that. Um, which is uh, rapid progress. I think we've gained one and a half thousand subscribers over the last like three weeks, which is pretty amazing. Um, and that's on YouTube alone. That doesn't include all the wonderful people that listen to this, uh, of course, via the audio platform. So a uh, big thanks to every single one who's helped and supported so far. Okay, let's get into uh, the topics that I want to discuss on today's show. Uh, first of all, we'll bring you some updates with regards uh, to those transfer deals that we know Arsenal are working towards getting over the line. So uh, let's start off uh, with Declan Rice. As far as we understand it, uh, conversations were being held over the weekend with regards to that payment structure still. Nothing really uh, concrete to suggest that the deal has been completely finalised and agreed, but there is an expectation that it will get done if not Monday, then on Tuesday. Um, There's been progress in those talks from what I understand, which is obviously a positive thing. And I think there was a really great video from Gunner Blog, which went out, I think it might have been Thursday or Friday, in which he sort of broke down what it is that the two parties will be discussing at this moment in time. Um, Why is it taking so long? What are the details that need to be ironed out between both sides in order for this to be um, done and in order for there to be a complete agreement? I think he breaks it down really, really well. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, make sure you do. But it's a lot to do with... um, sort of the payment structure, the interest around um, sort of some of it, the, the fact that inflation is a, a big problem in the world right now. Um, and in the UK, I'm, I'm not saying it's not bad anywhere else, but we know it's really, really bad in the UK. Um, so, uh, you know, West Ham will be looking at that and, and thinking about that as well, and, and how that could potentially impact the amount of money they're going to get over that period of time, i.e., if they get some of it later down the line, is that going to be as powerful and impactful when it comes to their spend, given that the cost of running a football club seems to consistently be increasing. There's loads and loads of stuff that you have to factor in, but I thought Gunnarblog did an excellent job of breaking that all down and and putting it into layman's terms for people. So that was really, really cool. Um, But yeah, look, it looks like this is, this is fine. You know, Arsenal, are no longer in a positive... Let me say that again. Arsenal are no longer in a position where they have to be crazy in a rush. And that is because, of course, Manchester City have pulled out of the race uh, for Declan Rice. So Arsenal benefit from that. They really, really do. And because they benefit from that, you know, there is going to be probably a, a reluctance to concede maybe as quickly or as early in this negotiation as they might have done had they had manchester city still breathing down the necks but they don't anymore city have pulled out of the race uh, they've been speaking as a football club about the fact that when they don't like the price of a deal uh, you know they will um they will just walk away they won't panic i think it i think it's man city saving face a little bit i think there is an element of Maybe they felt that the price was getting out of hand based on what they value Declan Rice at. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, But I also think there's an element of Manchester City going to Declan Rice's people, having put that first bid in, asking if he's serious about making this move and them not necessarily getting the response they expected or wanted. Hence another reason why they'd have pulled out. I don't think it's just about money. You know, this this is Manchester City. You know, this this is Manchester City, who, um, you know, who have millions and millions of pounds at their disposal and have never shied away from paying, you know, the big bucks for a player. OK, they've not been as crazy in their spend as Manchester United and as Chelsea. They've not been as frivolous as those football clubs. But Manchester City, if they really want someone, can push the boat out, certainly further than Arsenal can. Yet here we are. Um, having gone that little bit further and having got that price accepted. And now we're in the phase where we're just ironing out the details. So I think for Manchester City, it was partly to do with the price, but I think it was also due to the fact that Declan Rice was fully in on Arsenal. And I was listening to the Arsenal Vision podcast yesterday from a couple of days ago, and they made some really great points about why Declan Rice, you know, will have been more interested in, Mikel Arteta's project, then Pep Guardiola's, and they sort of spoke about the guarantees that Mikel Arteta could give him that Pep Guardiola, as great as he is and as great as Manchester City are, just couldn't. Uh, Dr. Smith in the chat says, um, Fabrizio said Friday night was the breakthrough on rice. Fabrizio did say that. I heard from elsewhere that 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 wasn't the case on Friday night. That might be the case come the end of the weekend. Um, but as, as far as I was aware on Friday night, there wasn't a complete breakthrough. There was an acknowledgement from both sides around the fact that they'd both have to concede a little bit and things were getting closer, but I don't know that there was a a firm breakthrough on that. Um, and it's very vague language as well that, that a lot of journalists and reporters use, which can be taken in a number of different ways. So, you know, For example, what is a breakthrough like is a breakthrough, a complete agreement or is a breakthrough just they've managed to come together on one particular stumbling point out of a number of issues that maybe were uh, sort of um, holding the deal up? I I don't know. So I'm reluctant to say, yep, that was the breakthrough. That's it. It's done because breakthrough can mean any number of things. Um, Declan Rice put a post up uh, yesterday of him sitting on the wing of a private jet. Um with I'm ready and um the uh sort of red emoji. I hope that's real. Um but I've I've seen it going round um and and that would obviously be a really, really positive sign unless it's going to Man United or Liverpool. But yeah, no, don't have to worry about that. Uh anyway, that's um where we are on the rice deal. Arsenal are expecting this to be completed and announced within the next seven days, from what I understand. So it shouldn't be too long uh before um before we know uh, exactly uh, or or before we have that confirmation, I should say, that Declan Rice is an Arsenal player. What's the latest with Urien Timber? Um, Well, Urien Timber is uh, desperately wanting to be an Arsenal player. He's reported back from his holidays early uh, because he wants to be in tip-top shape when he arrives uh, for pre-season at Emirates Stadium. The price as we understand it, has been agreed. It's just over 40 million uh, with some add-ons in there as well should Urian Timber achieve certain things. Again, listen, we don't know what those add-ons are. And there's been a lot of discussion, particularly around the Declan Rice deal, of Arsenal being silly in the add-ons that they offer and and maybe not always going with realistic things. The truth is we don't know what those add-ons are, what they consist of. How they'll be paid, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we kind of have to reserve judgment on that. All we know is that they are add ons. All we know is that there is a potential that Arsenal end up paying more money than the initial fee. What exactly that comprises of and how exactly that's made up is, is you know, is, is guesswork, I think, for a lot of us. So I don't want to get caught up on the add ons. I remember when we went in and had the initial offer rejected for Declan Rice, it was, oh, but the add ons are unachievable. How the hell do you know what the add ons are? like no no reputable journalist that reported on the bid being rejected was particularly specific around what those add-ons were so to then sort of hammer the club and say well they shouldn't have put this add-on in or that add-on in how do you know what they are you don't so you know we just need to chill a little bit on that but look the urian timber thing is getting closer and according to journalist tom hopkinson Uh, The club are planning to make four announcements in total over the course of the next seven days. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to get another two uh, big signings in. What it means is that Arsenal are expected to announce the contract extensions of both William Saliba and Rhys Nelson as well, uh, which is obviously positive news on both fronts. So could be a really, really good week, a celebratory week for Arsenal as we come to the end of what's been a really positive week in terms of hard graft behind the scenes. we're going to come on to talk about what that means for Arsenal Football Club moving forward. The fact that we are getting these players in, the fact that we are, um, you know, going to have a, a much stronger looking squad, given that people that were maybe expected to leave are still currently at the football club. We'll be talking about one of those, Granit Xhaka, a little bit later on in the podcast as well. Um, but we're going to talk about the rising levels of expectation around Arsenal because. This is a really, really interesting conversation and a really, really interesting discussion. It's one I'm going to get you guys' thoughts from in the live chat box as well. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to take a very, 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 very um, brief pause. Uh, Please do uh, like the video, subscribe, all of the rest of it. It really, really does help. Don't go anywhere because we're going to be back in, what, two, three seconds? Here we are. Welcome back to the podcast. Right, so uh, Granite Xhaka, who was uh, supposedly... Uh, going to uh, walk out the door, had packed his bags, all the rest of it, and was even given a send-off by the Arsenal fans on the final day of the season, is still here, as we record, on the 2nd of July. Now, I know it's still early in the window, and I know a lot of people feel that no deal was ever going to be done for Granit Xhaka until at least Arsenal had managed to do uh, their business, i.e., uh, the Declan Rice thing, and whatever else they're looking to do in the midfield. Arsenal can't afford to take the gamble, the risk of letting somebody like Granit Xhaka go, not acquiring their targets, and then being left in a weaker position than the one we found ourselves in last season. Nobody wants to take steps backwards. So uh, it looks like um, Arsenal are uh, holding on with regards to this one. But also, I think having gone into the market, having seen how crazy... um the prices are for sort of experienced, good quality midfield players, I think Arsenal are well within their rights to push back on this idea of Bayer Leverkusen signing him for 13 million euros. That was the price that was discussed at the back end of last season. And at the time, we said it was ridiculous. It was crazy. We need to sell better. There was a part of me that felt that Arsenal would probably allow it to go through in the end because of how because of how much we were hearing Granite Shaka himself wanted to go. Listen, I, I've expressed this opinion before, and I'll, I'll just sort of briefly reiterate it for maybe those who haven't caught previous episodes, but I don't want Granit Shaka to leave. I think he was such a key part of everything positive we did last season. I think, you know, for a long time, people said, oh, we, we're not in the Champions League ever since Granit Shaka came along. Well, he played an integral part in getting us back in there last season. And I want him to play Champions League football for Arsenal. I want him to continue his redemption story. I want him to continue to feel the love of the Arsenal fans that looked like it was something you'd never see, given you know how things went down previously with Xhaka and, and sections of the fan base, all the rest of it. Not only that, though, not only do I want Granite Xhaka to stay because as a character, I think he's incredible. And, and, and as a player, I thought it was really useful and successful for us last season. I also don't believe in stripping back the squad. We've talked a lot about the demands of next season, playing Premier League, Champions League. I know a lot of fans have been unhappy within recent seasons with the fact that in recent seasons we haven't given our all in the domestic cups, maybe because of a lack of a squad and a lack of depth. So I understand that fans want to see us compete on all of those fronts, but that means you need a deeper squad, a certainly much deeper squad than the one we had last season. Adding to Granite Xhaka and Thomas Partey in midfield is what needed to happen this summer. Not only have we added, we brought in players of a real high caliber, but now there needs to be competition for places. There needs to be that ability to rotate. There's going to be plenty of games of football for all of those players to participate in. And I think Arsenal need to be working on trying to convince Granite Xhaka to stay because to lose him, okay, you'd argue that Rice, if he's going to play in that position, or Havertz, if he's going to play in that position, are upgrades in some way. But you also don't want to lose the depth, the strength in depth that we bemoaned ourselves not having over recent seasons. So I'm still hoping that Arsenal can convince Granit Xhaka to stay. Arsenal don't need to sell Granit Xhaka. I know it's been expressed that he wants to go. But this wouldn't be the first time that he'd be unpacking his suitcase again, would it? Because last summer he was on his way to Rome. In the past, he's been linked with other football clubs, Back returns back to Germany, all of the rest of it. We cannot afford to lose Xhaka and Partey this summer, in my opinion. If we lose one, I still don't think it's ideal, but I think it's something we could potentially cope with, given who we're expecting to come in. But to lose both of them would be, would be, I think, counterproductive and, and would almost devalue the signings that we've made. Because, yeah, you're bringing in good players, but then you don't have the strength in depth. Um, that you obviously require and need to compete on the multiple fronts, as we've just been discussing. So I want Granite Jacker to stay. I hope that Mikel Arteta can still convince him to stay. I think Mikel Arteta, in his mind, um, felt that he could at least give that a go over the course of the summer. Hence his reluctance on the last day of the season to acknowledge this idea of Granite Xhaka leaving. I remember there was a question asked in the press conference where it was like, well, you know, it's Granite Jacker's last game, blah, blah, blah. And Mikel Arteta just turned around and went, is it?" And I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, you know more than I do, because as far as I know, he's still an Arsenal player. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can turn that one around. But if we are going to let him go, yeah, OK, we maybe feel as a football club, I think Mikel Arteta on a personal level will feel that he owes Granit Xhaka um, for sticking around when he was gone. And he probably feels like... You know, if he really wants to go and continues to push hard on that as a football club, we should allow that to happen. We should facilitate that. But there's facilitating it. And then there's having our pants pulled down and to sell someone who was as important as Granite Xhaka last season for 13 million euros would be us literally having our pants pulled down. We need to be getting much better money for Granite Xhaka and Arsenal need to dig their heels in here. Because Granit Shaka doesn't strike me as the type of person that will down tools and not want to play next season if this deal doesn't materialise. But he has to understand, and I'm sure he does, that Arsenal need to be compensated for his departure should he go. And 13 million euros is not adequate compensation for a player of his importance to this side. So we're going to have to see how, of course, that one goes. Um, Axiomato, thank you so, so much, mate, for your very, very kind super chat. Uh, donation. I really, really do appreciate. Thank you all for your support uh, of the channel, of the podcast. He says, why demand Why demand more for Xhaka when we could have gone for Musa Diaby? We have seen um, Saka burn out in the last few games of the season. I don't think we get Musa Diaby. I think the the fact that we brought in a Kai Havertz who could play in the wide positions, I, I know that that's not predominantly what he's been bringing in being brought in to do. But the fact that he can do that, the fact that Emile Smith rose back, the fact that Rhys Nelson, to our knowledge, has agreed a new contract with the football club just tells me that we're not going to go out and spend big, crazy money on a winger. Um, So I don't think that the Arby thing, for me, really comes into the equation here. Um, Good player, of course, like him quite a bit. He's going to cost a lot of money, though. And I don't think that that is seen as a priority as Arsenal, uh, for Arsenal right this moment in time, Uh, at least internally anyway. Uh, Let's quickly check in where we're at on the likes, just 145 likes on the board. Come on, guys. There's nearly 600 of you live with me right now as I speak. Why haven't we got at least 300 on the board? Come on, let's set an overall like target on this video of 500 Um, over the uh, the coming days. uh, Get involved in the live chat. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Build the German outlet claim that Kai Havertz will earn £330,000 per week at Arsenal, making him the club's highest paid player. That's what the report says. That's what the report claims. I'm not sure about that. Um, This feels to me like a best case scenario. And obviously, a bigger amount of money drives a bigger amount of attention. Hence why you'd pin something like that in a headline. Yeah, not for me. Um, this is not This is not something that I think is true. Um, I think in the best case, should Kai Havertz, for example, uh, achieve all of his bonuses, all of the add-ons, all of the rest of it, then maybe there's a world in which he earns something close to that at a certain point. So, for example, should Arsenal go on and win the Premier League or go on and win the Champions League? There could be a point throughout the duration of his contract where he would hit um that three uh 330k mark um it's a good point from nigel in the chat he says 330k in euros i, I let me just go back to because i did save this to share it with you guys um bear with me i'm just scrolling through uh to find it uh no the, so the build report said pounds um which is nuts there's no way it's it's pounds um even if it was euros i'd still argue that it's probably too much as well um but anyway this is one that i feel is it is something where they've gone right let's add up all the potential bonuses all the rest of it that are, are in existence to our knowledge and we'll try and make this up this is this is not not correct um uh, so don't panic about this because i did see a lot of people uh, over the course of um the weekend sort of having a, a right go about this on twitter um assuming that they hadn't run out of uh, or or they hadn't reached their limit of tweets that they were able to read or whatever that nonsense is. Some of you guys can fill me in on the chat uh, a little bit later on on that because I I really don't understand uh, what that is all about. Uh, A couple of other points I wanted to discuss before we talk about the rising levels of expectation at Arsenal Football Club. Emile Smith-Rowe has been speaking recently um, he's obviously having a good time with the uh, England under-21s at the European Championships. And uh, there was a question asked of him in a really uh, good interview that he gave, which was around his position. And I think, and again, I well, I know I'm paraphrasing, Emil Smith-Rowe basically said, look, I don't know um, what my role is. I don't know if they want me to play wide. I don't know if they want me to play inside, but whatever it is. Um, I, I'm up for doing the job for the team, et cetera, et cetera. Which, I mean, I know he might not want to give stuff away and I might—I know he might be under instructions not to give any further detail away about what his role might look like next season. But for someone who some people had claimed had been training in this position over the course of the last few months and that it was always the plan and it was always uh, known that he would move into that role, for him to then sort of dismiss that does cast doubt over how true exactly Uh, That is. Um, Look, I think Emile Smith-Rowe is incredibly talented on the ball. I think one of the the things he did so well during that really good spell that he had at the start of not the season that's just finished, but the one before, was his ability to drift in field from wide positions, avoid people picking him up and get into goal-scoring positions and then finish. Now, I think when you play through the middle... I think you naturally have less space because teams prefer to defend centrally first. I think that you are under scrutiny, under a lot more scrutiny. I think you will have players snapping away at your heels a lot quicker. When you play wide, you have that ability to pull yourself right out to the touchline. Bring the ball under control, compose yourself, assess what's going on inside, and then take a drive in field and try and make things happen. And as I say, sometimes you can go undetected, particularly if you're making a run off the ball. You can pop up in between lines, all the rest of it. I I don't think you have as much of that freedom if you play inside. And I think you'd almost be taking a little bit away from Emil Smith-Rowe. But obviously, we've got Leandro Trossard. We've got Reese Nelson, who I believe is better from the left than he is from the right. I feel like I've said that a hundred times, but I really do believe that. So I wonder if Emil Smith-Rowe's future is inside. But versatility, we keep talking about it. It's been right at the top of the agenda this summer. And obviously, Emil Smith-Rowe, with his ability to play centrally or to play uh, on one of the flanks, I think gives you that in an abundance. And I think that's another reason why he's likely to get opportunities to prove himself next season and uh, stake a claim and um and fight for his position back in the side but interesting that he said that i thought uh, right let's uh, let's head over um to no actually let's not let's let's do the rising levels of expectation bit and then uh, we'll do the twitter bit and then we'll just roll that into questions from the live chat and and that will take us towards at the end of the show remember if you haven't done so already please leave a like on the video i know i go on about it all the time but it really really does help subscribe as well uh, to the channel if you're brand spanking new that helps too Uh, another very very short pause and then we're going to talk about the rising levels of expectation that naturally come with signing big name players for big big prices welcome back to the podcast it's the chronicles of aguna we're live on youtube at the moment Uh, if you're watching us back on youtube hello if you're listening to us on audio hello to you too Uh, happy sunday to everybody hope you're all good and hope you are all well right rising levels of expectation it's just inevitable isn't it when you go out and you bring in sought after players Jurian Timber is a player that we know Manchester United held a strong interest in. And we know he's a player that, for example, the likes of Bayern Munich have been looking at. We know that he's somebody seen as one of the next stars of Dutch football. So obviously adding him to the squad when we get that deal over the line uh, represents an upgrade in an area that we were caught short in at the back end of last season. And I think many people feel played a massive part in our inability to go on and finish the job with regards to the title. So he'd be coming in as a centre-back slash right-back. And I think that's a really, really good acquisition that obviously makes our squad stronger. Declan Rice, sought-after player. People looking at this as a transformative signing. Somebody that's costing Arsenal north of £100 million. Obviously, that's going to add to the expectation too. You had Kai Havertz in, who I think at the beginning, a lot of people were maybe split on. But as time's gone on and people have maybe thought about this and sort of analysed why it didn't really work for him at Chelsea, thought about the role he's going to play at Arsenal. I think a lot more people are now on board with this one. So the levels of expectation will increase, I think, from within our own fan base and from external parties as well. And I noticed this maybe about a week ago um, when I jumped onto TalkSport with uh, Ade Oladipo and Flex, uh, who were doing the Transfer Insider Show, and they said something along the lines of, well, Arsenal need to win trophies now. You know, for, You know, we can't continue to look at Arsenal as, as um, the plucky underdogs anymore. You know, they must challenge for the Premier League title. They're spending money. And when I went into the office on Thursday, uh, there was people at Nightyman Towers saying the same thing to me as well, almost their first sentence when I walked in through the door. So there is this notion, and, and it's got validity, that with Arsenal spending and, and with Arsenal progressing the way they have over the last couple of years, that we do have to expect more now. And I myself on a personal level have been really, really careful with this, with allowing expectations to run wild and with allowing sort of my heart to override my head. I think for me, you know, last season, the expectation was getting the top four. We narrowly missed out on it in the season prior. You always wanna go one better. That's what signifies progress. And so getting in the top four was was what we wanted and, and, and was where we needed to get to. We did that and more last season. We did that and we pushed um, even further than that um, to, you know, leading the Premier League for most of the season. Okay, unfortunately, we fell short. We keep going on about that, but it is what it is. But the progress was there. Now, going into next season, you've got, um, you know, you've got what is likely to be a much stronger squad of players you've got young players who have improved over the course of last season going into another season older wiser all the rest of it you expect Mikel Arteta to continue to improve the fans are buzzing the fans are, are really up for it the atmosphere will only continue in the, the sort of fine vein that it's it's sort of been in over the last year or so so th- There are lots of reasons to be optimistic about next season. But what is the expectation that we should have? Now, I know that the default thing to say is win the title. You know, we missed out on the title. Let's go one better and win it. I really do think that although Arsenal need to be in the Champions League as a football club for so many reasons, financial, in terms of their status, all the rest of it, I think that. We have to acknowledge that the Champions League does make things difficult for us as well. And I'm not knocking it because you want to be in it. And if you want to be a top club, you have to be able to compete on multiple fronts. It's just part of the, um, you know, that's just part of the, the remit. That's what you need. I just think that we're going to find it difficult to balance all of these competitions. And I think that that's another big reason why I was why I was talking earlier about the need to keep people like Granit Xhaka if we possibly can. I just, like, I'm not saying that I don't want to be in the Champions League or that the Champions League is an excuse for us to fall off in terms of our league form. But it is a factor that you need to consider, I think, when setting your expectations for next season. The first thing is maintenance maintenance of the levels that we've shown over the last 12 months can we stay there or thereabouts at the top of the premier league table listen you're, you're up against manchester city the finest of margins can decide it you're not going to get me for example if we finish second again narrowly behind manchester city saying that the season was a disaster but you you do want to go on to that next level i think i'm at the point now looking at the business that we're doing Looking at the progress made last season where I'm almost ready to let go of that really sort of pragmatic mindset that I had throughout the duration of last season. Those of you that have listened to this for a while will know that I was always very reluctant to say we're going to win the league. And I was very reluctant to say that we should be winning the league because I always knew that Manchester City were an incredible side. We're going to hunt us down at some point and we'd have to really be able to hold our nerve and hold our standards if we were going to see that fight off. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. Now, it's partly because of us, because our form leveled out a little bit towards the back end of the season. It's partly because we lost key players um but you also have to give immense credit to manchester city who went on some unbelievable run at the back end of last season and maybe up against anybody else regardless of arsenal dropping a few points here or there they would have still gone on and won it but we were up against the juggernaut and i acknowledge that and it's why i try and look at what happened last season as a kind of glass half full thing rather than a glass half empty um but yeah i, I think i'm in the position where I'm not going to sit here and say, we have to do this and we have to do that. But I now have to own the fact that people are going to look at the business we've done, the progress we've made and have that and have that view. You know, that's that's where I am now. I'm not changing my mindset because I know that winning the big trophies in football isn't a given. And I know how difficult it can be, particularly when you're up against this Manchester City side. But I'm at a point now where I'm going to, I'm still going to defend my corner. I'm still going to defend my uh, myself and, and my view and my club and all the rest of it. But I'm at a point now where I can no longer shut down those types of conversations as much because of what we're spending, because of what we're doing in the transfer market. Does that make sense? Let me know what you guys think in the chat. Where are your levels of expectation? And I know they might change between now and the end of this uh, and the end of the summer depending on if we do any further business maybe who leaves all the rest of it but let me know where your heads are at in terms of expectations for last season um absolute minimum is um you know champions league we we'll have to get in the champions League I want us to fight in the champions League I want us to fight for at least one of the domestic cups give it a good go again you know that for me depends on where you're at um in uh in the season for example if you know the, the the fa cup starts in january right for us so you might get into a position where come january you've got loads of problems you're in a good position in the league and you decide not to risk people from fear of that damaging your your premier league push or premier league campaign and that's why I always say that you kind of have to play it by ear and see how it comes. I know managers will always say they want to win every competition, but at certain points, particularly when your squad isn't up to scratch, as ours wasn't last season, as we found out, you you do have to prioritise and you do sometimes have to make decisions. That's the reality of football. Um, but yeah, let me know uh, what you guys are saying. If you've got questions, just hold on to them. I will come and get those um, in a few minutes' time, but I just don't want them to get lost uh, in the... Um, in the chat box uh mm says um agreed four years and around 500 million spent i haven't done the maths but i'll take your word for on that Uh, there has to be an expectation to challenge and compete for trophies there absolutely does have to be an expectation now um to to kick on to that next level and you know Mikel arteta is gonna have to manage that the players are gonna have to manage that um you know, I think all of those are are, are really key parts of this. But yeah, um, I, I'm just at that point now where, as I say, I'm not sitting here saying we're going to win the league. We should win the league and anything less than that is pointless. Or, or is unacceptable, sorry, is the word I was looking for there. But I am in a place now where I don't feel like, for example, I was on the radio and someone said, you need to challenge for the biggest trophies now because of what you're spending etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know you're three four years into this rebuild all the rest of it there was a part of me that thought i can see where you're coming from now i couldn't see where people were coming from last season when they said arsenal have to 100 percent win the league no that was not right at the time but now i think there is going to be that greater level of expectation and we've got to be able to to manage it Um Axi thank you again for another kind donation, mate. Really, really do appreciate it. says, if we don't keep Xhaka and Partey, uh, we will be in a transition where we will struggle, just like how City had to figure out how to use Haaland because they didn't have a striker the year before. Yeah, I think that, as I keep saying it's counterproductive for us to lose those players. Um, we're adding to the squad, but we need to have that complete squad if we want to achieve what we've just been talking about achieving. Michael says Harry at what point do you think you would demand that Arsenal win the league? <sighs> it's a tough one. It's a, it's a tough one because I don't think first of all any club has a god given right to win all the time. So that's number one. Number two, I think as long as we're going up against nation states then I think we're going to have to accept that it isn't going to be a given that we win the league and and I think to demand a club owned by our owners okay they're wealthy of course they are but to demand that they constantly keep up with a nation state a very rich and wealthy nation state over whom there are question marks and I'm talking about the ownership of Manchester City here with regards to how they've gone about things I think when you take all of that into consideration I think it becomes incredibly difficult to point at your club and say you need to win the league up against this slot so I think the the football landscape is what stops me demanding Arsenal win the league all the time. Obviously, I want them to. But do you see what I'm trying to say? I think the wider footballing landscape has an impact on how I see the game now. And because of that, my mindset on what is success and what isn't success has just changed a little bit. Um, obviously, you want to win. And of course, I want to win. Um, you know, Michal says we haven't won the league for 20 years yet, but look how much the footballing landscape has changed over the course of that 20 years is the point I'm trying to make. Look at the money Man United have spent. Look at the money that Chelsea have spent under Roman Abramovich, who clearly had ties to people that he shouldn't, hence why he's not there at the moment, right? He's gone out the door, and who comes in? A batshit crazy Todd Bowley, who is going to spend crazy amounts of money has driven the club into the point where they're having to have a fire sale because of a how much they spent and b how badly wrong they got it all you got manchester city who as i've just mentioned that are very very difficult to compete with for any number of those reasons you've got liverpool who after 30 years finally put together a side that was um Really, really competitive under Jürgen Klopp. They did it the right way. Fair play to them. They did a brilliant job of it, and and you know they managed to build a side that for four or five years was very very competitive. But this these things don't happen overnight, and and success is is very hard fought. And I just think, yeah, okay, we haven't won it for twenty years, but the footballing landscape in that twenty years looks completely different to what it did then. And um and I think that's something that you have to take into consideration. There are other ways you can, uh, people are going to say I'm a loser for saying this, but there are other ways in which you can measure success. So how connected do you feel to your football club? That That is part of success for me. And I feel very connected now, felt very connected last season. Yes, there was heartbreak, but overall, that connection was back. And I think a lot of people feel that way. That's a part of, of, a, of success for a football club, in my opinion, as well. Think about, um, you know, think about how we felt towards the back end of the Unai Emery, um, you know, era, tenure, whatever you want to call it. That was terrible. That was awful. That's as disconnected as I felt to my football club, even more than when Arsene Wenger's side was struggling because I always felt that affiliation to Arsene Wenger. I always believed in, all right, not necessarily every tactical detail, but I always believed in his overall footballing philosophy. And I knew that if I turned up on a Sunday at the Emirates against a fellow big six side, OK, we weren't as competitive as we'd have liked to have been, but we always knew that we had it in us to turn it on and blow somebody away. And that, for me, was something that I always held on to. And and to have that feeling is amazing. You know, you feel it even more now at the Emirates Stadium because the atmosphere is so raucous and, and amazing too. But I think there are other things that keep you engaged with your football club outside of just lifting trophies. And again, obviously, I know that football is about that and I know that you want to win them. I'm not for a second suggesting that we don't or we shouldn't expect, but I just think the way the footballing landscape looks today, it's it's very difficult to guarantee success, isn't it? It really, really is. Uh, right, look, I asked last night for you guys to put some questions out on Twitter. Um, I'm, I to, should I do this? I'm, I'm wondering if I'm not going to be able to read any tweets today if I do this. I'm just kidding. Um, listen, I think that he will... Um, <laughs> He will wind it back. Oh, the Elon Musk. He's made a few changes on Twitter and then sort of wind them back and change them up a little bit when he's realized that the whole world is outraged by them. I mean, he tried to pass it off as, oh, well, it means that you people can go outside and enjoy yourselves, which is something you should be doing anyway. I agree that we spend way too much um, time on our phones and all the rest of it. Um, But anyway, let's take some of these questions from Twitter. Stan, the man says, what are your thoughts on the gossip? About us, uh, you know what, let me bring these up on the screen actually so you can see them. Bear with me a second, sorry. Uh while I'm doing that, don't forget to hit the like button, don't forget to subscribe, all the rest of it, blah, 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 blah. Um, okay, anyway. What are your thoughts on the gossip about us putting a package together to sign Mbappe in 2024? Not only the possibility, but ramifications of the salary and personality fit with the team. Could a player like him work in an Arteta team and how would you deploy him? First of all, I don't believe these reports that we're interested in Kylian Mbappe. You know, we we keep talking about Arsenal spending and great. You know, it's fantastic that we're doing that. But we all know that the club has a structure and, and Kylian Mbappe's acquisition would blow that structure to pieces. Some football clubs are willing to do that. Real Madrid, I'm sure, uh, would be willing to do that and have been willing to do similar things in the past. I just don't see it at Arsenal. Where would I play him? I think he's probably best just off the left. Um you know, and and he is one of the best in the world, whatever you want to say about his personality or the rest of it. He is a fantastic footballer, but I don't think there's any truth in this. Um, not something I'm even considering at this moment in time. Can he work in an Arteta team? You know, the, the bigger Arteta gets, the, the more clout he has. I think the easier he'll find it to deal with characters like Kylian Mbappe. So you can't rule that out in terms of them being compatible as player and manager. But yeah, I just I just don't see this right now um as even being a possibility. Uh North Bank says uh why did we sign Havertz before the first of July? Did we have pounds left over from Jan with regards to uh the FFP thing? And therefore it will only be rice and timber going in at 150 million this year. I reckon we could rake in fifty million from outgoings, bring in one sign in and still have pounds left for January if we wanted. Look, I, I don't really know exactly um how this works uh you know it's difficult to to give you a a real solid you know financial answer here because if I said I was a financial expert I'd be lying I worked in banking for 10 years but obviously look where I am what I'm doing now so clearly it wasn't my thing um but look it's um it's really difficult to know exactly how the finances are working I understand that KSE have been willing and and have, lent money to Arsenal as a football club with no interest or very low interest in order to facilitate some of these deals. Um and that's great. I don't know what ramifications that would have on FFP exactly because you're borrowing money and, you know, are you allowed to borrow money? How much are you allowed to borrow? All the rest of it makes it a really, really complicated question to answer. I know what you're saying that, you know, maybe if we waited till the first of July, Kai Havertz signing could have been done then and then maybe that would you know uh sort of help us in terms of balancing the books from financial year to financial year i just trust that the football club know what they're doing with this and and so i I, the answer is i don't know but i don't have any concerns about it and i think if they've done it this way it's because they know it's the it's the right way to do it okay um i'm not going to take every single one of these otherwise uh we'll run out of time but Thank you for all the questions. And Nana says, will you be going to the U.S. tour? No, I won't. I wish um, I wish I was going out there for the U.S. tour. I really, really do. And, and I'll definitely make it a mission to go out on the next one. But no, I'm not going not gonna to be on the U.S. tour. I am going to be in Las Vegas, if any of you are based there, uh, from the 27th of July, I think, for three or four days. Got some uh, work commitments out there. Um, so if you're there, give me a shout. But, yeah, unfortunately, I won't be able to hop along. To the Arsenal tour I hope that I would be able to do that as well but it's just not working out dates wise uh, with work and stuff which is a little bit annoying um Arsenal supporter has a question on the whole Twitter thing he says uh, completely non-Arsenal related always a good way to start a question for an Arsenal related podcast Twitter has limited the number of tweets people can see how does that impact journalists as yourself that rely on Twitter for reach or impressions so Again, I, I don't understand the ins and outs of this, exactly how this is going to work, all of the rest of it. But it does have an impact. Twitter is an incredibly powerful tool uh, for people in, um, in 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 my industry. I think, you know, to be able to just put your work out for people to see is, has been really, really powerful. Because if I couldn't do that, then I wouldn't have got any work, basically. So you need to be able to showcase what you do. I think it's a really good way of staying in touch with people. Of, of reading a, sort of the overall mindset on a particular subject. I think Twitter is a really, really powerful thing. I hope that Elon Musk doesn't completely mess it up. I think there are bad points about Twitter. I think they always have been. But overall, I think it is a powerful tool and, and one that whatever people say, a lot of us will miss if it's gone or if it no longer exists in its current iteration. So I hope this gets sorted. I'm sure it will. Um, I can't believe that he would, um, he would kill it off completely. Uh, In that way. But hey, uh, you never know. But yeah, it does have an impact, of course. Right. Let's take some questions from the live chat box. Thank you to everybody who uh, submitted uh, questions. Apologies to those whose I didn't get round to on Twitter. Uh, um, But yeah, get me some questions into the live chat. I did flag a couple, uh, which we'll touch on now. Um, Raphael Lim says, thanks again, Harry, for another great analysis. What do you aim to achieve professionally speaking? In the coming season. That's a nice question. Um, to be honest with you, mate, I don't know. I really don't know. Um it's a hard one because I loved th- this podcast is the the center of everything I do. I love doing radio shows. I love doing a bit of TV here and there. I, I love it all. Um I wanna do more commentary, um, as a lot of you would have heard before. That is kind of what I'm sort of really, really focused on. I felt like I had a bit of a breakthrough season last season, just because I got more opportunities than I had in the season prior. I think I needed the time to learn and and hone my craft a little bit more. For example, I I certainly think I'm a much better commentator today than I was 18 months ago. And so when people were sort of saying, "Eh, not sure, 18 months ago, I can now see why and understand why. I thought this season was really good for me. I thought there was a lot of progress shown. I think if I listen to the demos that I got off the back of last season in comparison to um, sort of the ones prior, I think they're on a completely different level. But there's still a part of me that that worries that I'm not going to get the trust to continue doing that and, to, and enough trust to be able to make that my main thing. Um, look, in an ideal world, it would be podcasting the week, And obviously in reaction to games, commentaries at the weekend, that would be my dream scenario. Hopefully we take more steps towards that over the course of the next season. But it is a really, really difficult business to crack. Um, And, uh, you know, just because you got opportunities last season doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get more this season. You know, people in theory think, well, if you did work last season, you're definitely going to do it this season. And you should, in theory, do more. It doesn't always work like that. You know, it can be you know, there'll be some editors that think you're great and there'll be others that are not sure about you and whoever's in that position ultimately has your progress in their hands in a lot of ways. Um, and that that's something I've realised. I've come across a lot of um, football editors that have shown me a lot of trust and, and given me the, the sort of licence to go and do my thing and hone my craft and get better, etc. And I've come across a lot that it, the truth is the door was shut before they'd even... Um before they'd even listen to me. So yeah, it's it's a hard one. But yeah, that would be kind of the dream. Uh this is a good point from Khalid. Uh he highlights some comments that Nicolas Pepe made the other day where he he actually praised Mikel Teta um and, and spoke about what a good manager he is and, and sort of the way he builds relationships with people. He said he was a bit upset about being left out of the team at certain points, but you know, what who wouldn't be? Uh you'd be annoyed at him if he wasn't. Uh so yeah, I think um That's positive to read from Nicolas Pepe because he's displaying the right values, the right attitude. And I think that will go down well with Mikel Arteta, who may well give him another opportunity in the squad. You know, Um, you never know. Right. Let's go back uh, through uh, the comments currently coming in. Uh, There's a couple on stuff that we've already touched on. So I'm not going to do those, not because I'm ignoring them or I don't want to take your questions, just because we'll be repeating ourselves. Um, Owen Young asks about the Pepe thing that's a tough one isn't it It, it, listen it all depends for me on what you'd get for him because if clubs are coming in and saying eight to ten million pounds which you know is a realistic possibility then you're like well what's the point you know what's the point in selling him on for that kind of money why not give him another chance and maybe he can prove himself and if he doesn't prove himself to be you know on a level good enough for Arsenal, maybe he would catch the eye of someone else who might come in next summer and offer 15, 16, 17 million pounds. It's a really, really difficult one. I think that you just got to get Nicolas Pepe back in. I think you've always got to be open-minded about the possibility of him being sold. But if the right money doesn't come in, which there's a good chance that will be the case, then I think you have to also be open-minded to allowing him to help out the squad and, and, and fight for his place. I think we talk about meritocracy a lot at Arsenal at the moment and you know if we weren't to give him the opportunity um you know in the event that the right money doesn't come in then I think we'd be sort of contradicting that so yeah uh, the answer is I don't know at this stage um I don't know uh John Daly says would you extend Arteta's contract right now I want to see him here for the next five years plus yeah he feels like the type of manager you'd keep hold of for as long as you literally possibly can um but you know Mikel Arteta will have his own personal ambitions as well and um, so yeah let's um, let's see how that goes but I think you know we're okay now he signed a new contract not too long ago I think we're okay for now and uh, we'll reassess it and also you know he'll probably want to see the club making the moves that show they're going to back him and, and they're going to support him he'll want to know that he's going to have the tools to achieve not just Arsenal's ambitions but his own personal ones as well Right, let me take a couple more. Uh, thank you for uh, your kind words, Jamie. He says, just keep on doing what you do, Harry. Great content. Thank you so, so much. Really, really uh, appreciate it. Um, Cass says, saw a story this morning regarding Thomas Partey handing in a transfer request. Have you heard anything regarding this? I haven't. Um, I haven't. I haven't seen this uh, story anywhere. Um, so, no, I can't really comment on it, but I mean, it would contradict the noises that we were hearing about Thomas Partey just a week ago, where it was said that actually Thomas Partey is really happy and content at Arsenal. And, you know, he's not completely closed off to the idea of a move, but it's certainly not a priority for him. Yeah, it's interesting. Here's a good question. This one's great. Do you have a lot of money doing this? Do you have a mansion? Um, no, I don't have a lot of money, uh, from doing this. I have enough money uh, to look after my family and, and I'm very, very grateful for that because I get to earn that money whilst doing what I love and what I enjoy. I definitely don't have a mansion. Um, maybe one day, but not right now. Um, but yeah, there's in happiness over property and, and possessions and all the rest of it. That's how it goes. Uh, but anyway, guys, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. We've been going for the best part of an hour now, uh, which is amazing. Um, so much chat, so much um, brilliant interaction, which always makes the show easier for someone who does one solo like me. Uh, to have you guys in the chat boxes, is everything, really. Um, and of course, your interaction online as well. Uh, don't forget to uh, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. I asked for an overall 500 I wanted to get to 300 by the end of the live. We're on 279. Can you help me get there? Like, subscribe, all the rest of it. And uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves. Have a great day, and I'll see you all soon. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.